off the ball. I don't think Springboks are in crisis because you would hate for a team that is so phenomenally good a year out from the World Cup to be world number one and then to go out in the quarterfinals. Yes, yeah, Stephen, we, we know. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off the Ball. With Gillette, for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, you're welcome along. It is Thursday's Off the Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock this evening. We do have a busy show ahead, but of course, all the news been dominated right now by the death of Queen Elizabeth, who, in case you missed the breaking news, has died at the age of 96. This news confirmed just in the last half an hour or so. She was surrounded by her family at Balmoral. There was a lot of concern all day. A statement released earlier today saying that Queen Elizabeth was under medical supervision after doctors have been concerned for her health and it has since been confirmed that Queen Elizabeth has died at the age of 96. Uh, for more on that, you can check out Newstalk.com. There will be updates with all the breaking news throughout the evening. You can tune in for our bulletins as well. And of course, Newstalk Breakfast is back bright and early tomorrow morning. Uh, Richie McCormick and Joe Malloy are with us. Evening, gentlemen. Evening, gents. How are you? Uh, Joe, I guess the Queen was such a ubiquitous figure in, in British life, in, in our lives uh, as we grew up uh, watching on. A lot of people, I'd imagine, found themselves sort of stopped in their tracks in the last hour or so, sitting watching the BBC coverage uh, when Hugh Edwards confirmed her death at around about half past six. Yeah, one of those moments. And uh, I'm sure you, like lots of people, maybe in the past couple of hours or, or days even have read that piece in The Guardian about the various plans which kick into gear immediately uh, once um, Queen Elizabeth was uh, going to pass away. And, you know, the BBC are at the um, core of that. And, it, you know, it seems they've had numerous on quiet Sunday mornings. They have rehearsed this moment uh, so many times over the decades. So I'm, I'm sure quite surreal for Hugh Edwards to uh, make the announcement. So, yeah, I was like um, Manny, I suspect, watching the coverage across the day. And like you, you kind of stop and you, you, you rethink about the, the length of the reign, which I suppose is the extraordinary aspect of it. I mean, 70 uh, years to the throne in 1952. So Stalin is in Russia. Chairman Mao is in China. Her first prime minister is Winston Churchill. It's extraordinary that that same person is shaking hands with Liz Truss just a couple of days ago. You, do, you know, you're mentally struggle to to bridge those um two periods and yet she's kind of seen it all in that respect and so uh, whether you're a royalist or not i i guess you can't but recognize this is the end of the longest serving monarch in the thousand plus years of a british royal family so for longevity alone this uh, figure of massive historical uh, significance and then beyond that i mean it'd be very interesting to hear various people try and assess her contribution um Certainly, I mean, you mentioned when we were growing up and different eras, different people will have different memories of um, Queen Elizabeth at different points in her life. I mean, the 90s, I remember, and and they seemed like very choppy waters for the royal family. And uh, we would remember 25 years ago, she was criticised, um, I, su- I suspect, as severely at any point in her reign in the aftermath of Diana's death. And there was a, a sense of a lack of emotion then. But I think in the last 20 years, in particular, uh, people, because of the longevity, have probably come to respect um, a sense of duty and probably a real sense of discipline in that role. Never uh, waded into the world of politics or inserted herself into politics. I think the only example um, I've seen mentioned was around the time of a Scottish independence referendum in 2014, where she urged people to think carefully. And that was seen as very out of 
uh, character with how she had generally gone about her business. And, you know, it's not the most uh, egregious, I think, thing to uh, say. So, you know, whatever side of the political divide you're on, I think, you know, people could respect the individual and, you know, then this country, I mean, uh, it was interesting hearing Mary McAleese there just in the news bulletin. We have a very specific relationship with the royal family for obvious reasons. And again, over the coming days, we'll see all of that maybe laid out. And I'm, I'm kind of looking forward, you know, the history both in me is is looking forward to that. And that will touch on everything from the death of Lord Mountbatten to her visit in 2011 and and, and plenty besides. So um, I think um, the, the last thought I suppose I would have really is even just watching the coverage. Uh, I think we're talking about someone here whose popularity as an individual far exceeds the popularity of the royal family, mm. uh, certainly around the world and probably even in the UK as well. And, and so what that means even for the royal family, like, and I think Australia is in the throes of, of revisiting the, uh, well, I guess you, the king, as you now would say, as, as head of state. And, and her death may hasten other countries um, who have uh, the king as the head of state or Commonwealth countries uh, rethinking their positions. So, you know, you, you, that's, that's a mere scratching of the um, surface. I think the outpouring over the next couple of days uh, across the UK is going to be extraordinary. Yeah, you touched on uh, the plan for next uh, Operation London Bridge. And as part of that, they were expecting that for the first time, London would be full for the Queen's funeral, that it would have uh, the largest ever attendance at any event ever in the history of the country. And it will be interesting to see how it develops over the months and years, because you say it is now King Charles instantly after the Queen's death. Prince Charles ascends to the throne. His coronation won't be for maybe somewhere between six and 12 months. And as I said, there's going to be loads of reaction to that on Newstalk.com throughout the evening. Uh, Richie is with us as well, and I'd imagine will be with us throughout the evening because this will have a knock-on effect for sport as well because we... Britain will now enter a period of mourning uh, over the next 10 days ahead of the Queen's funeral, and that is going to put a stop to most, if not all, sport. I've already seen that the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth, the players were taken off the course uh, after the announcement was made that the Queen had died, and the expectation is that that tournament uh, won't recommence. And also I'd expect that all of the Premier League fixtures will be called off over the weekend. Uh, We're waiting on confirmation of all of this, I'd imagine, at the moment, Richie. Yeah, waiting on confirmation. There's several different sports have essentially uh, put out a preemptive uh, notification on this. I think the British Horse Racing Authority said that they were uh, postponing or indeed cancelling all of Friday's meetings and then possibly into the weekend as well. Uh, as a response to this, the Premier League have put out a statement, obviously marking the Queen's passing, but they haven't necessarily said that they will be postponing games just yet. That will follow, you'd imagine. Uh, Manchester United, for their part, they do go ahead tonight at home to Real Sociedad. This is the interesting thing now, of course, is because you've got several teams in action in Europe tonight, uh, among them Manchester United, as we mentioned, Arsenal already in action tonight. Uh, West Ham are going to be at home to FCSB tonight, and Hearts are taking on Istanbul Bishakshir. So all of those games going ahead, UEFA it seems are fairly insistent that they do go ahead, but we're going to see the usual black armbands, uh, minute silence before the matches at Tynecastle and Old Trafford and the London Stadium tonight. And yeah, we will see further and further and more and more responses to this uh, roll in. I'd say either if not tonight, then certainly tomorrow morning. And we can expect a fairly clear calendar in terms of English sport upcoming this weekend. So you touched on some of the British teams that are in action in Europe tonight. Of course, it's a huge evening for Shamrock Rovers, Richie. They begin their Conference yeah, yeah. League Group F campaign against your gardens. Uh, that gets underway in the next hour. I presume Team News is out. 
Yeah, Team News is out. A couple of the uh, big pieces of Team News for Rovers tonight, and that is that Justin Ferrazai, who impressed so much in that uh, home leg against Ferenc Varos in the Europa League playoffs, he starts up front for them tonight. Sean Gannon also comes into the defence for Shamrock Rovers. Uh, kickoff is at 8pm in that particular game. Uh, at the same time, in the group, Malda host Ghent, West Ham and Hearts, as we mentioned, in Conference League action as well this evening. The Hammers begin their Group B campaign at home to FCSB. Connor Coventry on the bench against the side formerly known of course as Stoya Bucharest while Hearts are in action in Group A they faced Istanbul Başakşehir. here here Eriton Hag takes charge of Manchester United in Europe for the first time this evening they're up against Real Sociedad in Group E of the Europa League Harry Maguire uh, Casemiro makes a first start for the club and Cristiano Ronaldo is restored to their forward line for an 8 o'clock kickoff. as I say there will be minute silences and black armbands and all that stuff ahead of tonight's game David Silva the former Manchester City stalwart starts up front for the Basque side too the other game in that group sees Ammonia Nicosia managed by Neil Lennon of course play host to Sheriff and there's a 5.45 start in Group A tonight already plenty of action in this one Arsenal now leading by two goals to nil there's down about 21 minutes to go uh, they took the lead through debutant Marquinhos in that one they saw themselves pulled level by half time through an unexpected penalty and then Arsenal have put themselves back in front again through Eddie and Ketia 2-1 they lead heading into the final 20 minutes of that one elsewhere in that group this evening PSV are in action at home to Bodo Glimt that one also has around about 20 minutes or so to play and it is the Norwegian side who lead uh, by a goal to nil at the moment in that one so we're going to be across to Tala at about half past seven to check in with Vinnie Perth and Stephen Doyle and look ahead to this evening's game a uh, bit of a surprise I would think in the starting lineup that Rory Gaffney isn't in there who uh, haven't been in most Rovers home games this season I would say is in contention to be maybe footballer of the year he's been brilliant and a key part of how they've changed things around in Europe Joe in particular I'm, I'm not surprised to see Jack Byrne on the bench because particularly in their home games in Europe they've been a lot more direct and gone with the pace of the front two of Aaron Green and Rory Gaffney whereas quite often watching them in the league they're such a possession based side constantly recycling it incredibly patient knowing that the goals <coughs> will come whereas they've come out all guns blazing particularly in the first 15-20 minutes of all their home games in Europe so far gone a bit more route one got the ball forward quickly which maybe isn't really Jack Byrne's forte now it's hard to say that Shamrock Rovers best 11 couldn't include Jack Byrne but it does seem uh, a bit of surprise that Gaffney isn't in there and it's a big call to throw in the kid up front in a game like this but I guess that's what Shamrock Rovers want to say they're all about yeah what's the general uh, level of expectation here because obviously we're dealing with opposition that none of us are watching all that mm. regularly so this yeah. evening or, or even across the group what are our realistic but lofty-ish ambitions for Shamrock Rovers I think getting out of the group should be a, a, a realistic ambition um, there's no reason why and given the performances that they have put in so far in Europe and over the course of the last couple of years that these are the sides that Shamrock Rovers can pull results out of where I think they might find issue is the fact that you essentially have all these games clumped so close together. So the uh, the drain that this is going to put on the uh, fairly injury-prone Shamrock Rover squad already is going to be pretty seismic. Um, they're going to be playing six of these games and there's going to be lots of flights and while fighting for a league title in between as well and an FAI Cup. I mean, it's going to take a lot out of them. That's what I would worry will be the thing with them is, is essentially exhaustion uh, as the season kind of winds down here. But... In terms of quality, in terms of 11s v 11s, like they should be able to pull a result out of uh, tonight, you would hope. They should be able to get a result at least one of the Ghent games and uh, similarly against Malda. But I would imagine the other two teams playing tonight are probably a slight step above what Rovers are probably used to. 
Yeah, Joe Garden finished fourth in the Swedish league last season. Uh, Rovers have been brilliant at home throughout this campaign, throughout the various campaigns they've been in so far over the past couple of months. So you would think that tonight is one that they will really have identified as an opportunity. I think it's six games in eight weeks with the new European calendar. And you say you throw in FAI Cup, a trip up to Derry. Uh, they're not done and dusted in the league just yet. The defeat to Bowles last week obviously set them back. Uh, but uh, then you look at the quality of the bench. So suddenly you have Jack Byrne to come on in the second half and control things if you do get a lead. As I say, Rory Gaffney, Graham Burke is among the substitutes tonight. Uh, Dan Cleary has been brilliant since he signed is there as well. So there's a lot of strength and depth in that Shamrock Rovers side. And like, the Conference League is, you know, I, there was no great difference financially between the Europa League and the Conference League. But the benefit was you're far more likely to win games, obviously, in the Conference League, and the money for the victories is more or less the same as well. So I think it might be a a tall order to qualify, but certainly they expect to pick up quite a few points, I think, over the course of the whole campaign. So, half seven. Here we go. Uh, We'll be across to Vinnie Perth and Stephen Doyle on that. Uh, Confirmation, Graham Potter said yes. He's the man. He is indeed the man for Chelsea. He is head coach. Tom Tuchel confirmed this afternoon the 47 year old leaves Brighton where he's been in charge for the past three years and done such fine work there too. Multiple reports say it's taken £21 million to extricate Potter and his staff from their Brighton contract he has signed a five year deal at Stamford Bridge his first game will come at home to Fulham on Saturday although that of course uh, will surely be postponed. Adam Lalana and Andrew Crofts are going to be in temporary charge of Brighton until they appoint a successor God, to we're getting Potter. old when Adam Lalana is now a caretaker manager. Mm. Uh, I have to say I've been surprised <laughs> by a lot of the debate around this and whether now is the right time for Graham Potter to make this jump as if football management is like accountancy or something where you just keep getting the qualifications and automatically the promotions come along the way. You know, be patient. Maybe the Manchester City job comes up. Like, he's done as well as he could ever do with Brighton. He's got them to the top half of the table for the first time in their history. Like, he's too three results away from being 14th in the table without a striker who scores on a regular basis. Like this, this is a well-deserved role you'd have to say for Graham Potter for the way he's gone about his business over the last decade, has worked his way through the system, the style of football that Brighton have played for. But he had to take this chance now. Yeah, he had to. I mean, he's 47 years of age as well, Potter. He kind of looks well for his age, mm. but I mean, another five, 10 years, he might be well-perceived as yesterday's man from the point of view of those bigger clubs. I think maybe the, the reticence or the, the um, caution being expressed on Potter's behalf is down to the sense that Chelsea's a bit of a basket case at the moment, that like he's going into something that's very, very volatile with an owner who's at pains to make his mark in all sorts of strange ways. And was this not even Kevin Doyle was in the RT coverage after the game the other night, and he was saying that you know, it was, it was, it was, he was incredibly on the money. He was saying that he thought that the way Tuchel was going on, he was going to get the sack by October, but based on even just um, the other evening, it was going to happen in September, and lo and behold, it happened the next day. But he was talking about how he's friendly with the physio at the club, and he was just saying, alluding to like strange things are just being done at the club, like even the signing of Fafana, that uh, he had to go to New York for his medical and then come back, and he's jet-lagged, and it's like, well, we've got some of the best doctors here and best physios here. Why is he going to New York for another set of doctors there and and like just that's a small thing but it maybe spoke of things being done in odd ways under the new regime and Tuchel has cut such a frustrated figure like I think it's madness to sack uh, Thomas Tuchel 
I'm, I'm reading and seeing things of late to suggest that temperamentally mm. he's not brilliantly suited to management mm. and even Graham Hunter was on uh, OTBAM during the week and he was saying that like Tuchel is known to be pretty vicious on the sideline when he's talking about players out on the pitch and maybe you know the, the substitutes are thinking hang on mm. what's he saying about me when I'm on the pitch and there's probably something in that but at the same time that temperament did not stop him masterminding one of the great Champions League victories and, and like getting Chelsea to play brilliant football from the off so I I don't think he's lost the dressing room I don't think it is an issue of his temperament I think things are messy behind the scenes I think he's become irritable and frustrated with that and it's just uh, become a combustible situation and, and, and I think uh, who, there's only going to be one winner I touched on it with Kenny last night when he was in the studio I think the, the lack of replacement like Chelsea have always been known for the la- last 10 years as having like an incredible like sporting director or managing director and that kind of buffer between the boardroom and the manager so be like a Michael Emanolo or a Marina Granovskaya and once that, that someone like that isn't there I think it was always going to expose the Fishers that were likely to come from adding Todd Bowley to Thomas Tuchel and Bowley taking on the role he did, which is not just the owner of the club that he wants to get involved in transfers as well. Have there been um, many, many other owners like Todd Bowley in English football who have taken that much of a hands-on role? Obviously, you're going back a while. Huge criticism with the Glazers, yeah. but they, you know, they they operate from far away. FSG let Michael Edwards do his business, it, it, and I think you're right. Is the one question mark for Graham Potter is, well, what if? Again, in January, Todd Bowley goes, Cristiano Ronaldo is the biggest star in world football and I want him playing at my club. Like, yeah. Does Graham Potter stand up and say, as Thomas Ducal did, no, it's not happening. Where, where does that dividing line come for Graham Potter? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a massive concern for him. Like, and, and Bowley is full of like the enthusiasm of a child with new toy and is very involved. You know, maybe in five years' time, relax and there'll be a sporting director and a proper infrastructure in place but like he's overly involved now and like I be I, I wanting the goalkeeper like, to take the corner kicks well I, I read <laughs> even I, I read somewhere even like uh, quite, quite keen for Pulisic to get more involved you know let's get let's get that American kid in there like the cut of his chin mm. you know so all of this stuff that would be anathema to Tuchel and I, like if you're Potter going in like the one thing you would say about Potter at Brighton is he was running that ship so it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating to see the next uh, couple of months and how they unfold. But uh, yeah, he had to take the job. He has to take the chance. It's potentially a great one for him. But I think that's the reason people are saying, oh, don't know, this could be car crash stuff. Yeah, we must find somebody to talk to uh, who has experience of dealing with these crazed American owners and their wild ideas. Um, Vinnie Perth's at Tala, by the way, he'll be with us at half past seven. <laughs> He's listening in now going, I'm not coming on, I'm not coming on. Uh, you are listening to the news round here on Off the Ball. It's brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. As I was to say, Vinnie Perth's coming up at half past seven, looking ahead to Shamrock Rovers' game in the Europa League. Uh, Denise O'Sullivan, outstanding yet again, and the match winner against Slovakia on Tuesday. She's going to be with us just after eight o'clock, ahead of tomorrow's playoff draw for the Republic of Ireland. And John Giles with us at the later time of nine o'clock on the football show. I can't believe there's so much to talk to with John Giles and we're only about a month into the season. Uh, every single club seems to have something big developing at the moment. Uh, so John is going to join us after nine o'clock as well. Uh, Stephen Kenny is going to announce his Republic of Ireland squad. I think it's this day next week, Richie. Yeah. Uh, but bad news yet again for Adam Ida. 
Yeah, there was hopeful news, I guess, around him when he made his reappearance in the Norwich side, but the Republic of Ireland manager Stephen Kenny must again plan without Ida. The Norwich striker has been ruled out for a number of weeks as he requires exploratory knee surgery. A previous knee surgery ruled Ida out of June's Quartet of Nations League games. Ireland are away to Scotland on the 24th of this month, with Armenia visiting the Aviva three days later. Ida's Norwich manager Dean Smith said today the surgery is necessary to get the striker's career back on track. Dean Smith, not there, unfortunately. Uh, it is a big blow for Adamita yet again. Who You really don't want to become the forgotten guy of that front trio. You know, there's a lot of options up there at the moment. It did feel, having missed out in June, that you know Troy Paris and Michael Obafemi both took their opportunity. They couldn't have done more to take their opportunity. And Adam probably looked better with a Jason Knight as the third who can drop that little bit deeper. So Ida, who, listen, he's a firm favourite of Stephen Kenny. He's just missing a few too many games at this stage, Joe. Yeah, he's had his issues in that regard, hasn't he? It was only a couple of years ago that the former manager was making the point that like, in terms of number of days training over uh, the guts of a season, Ida was bottom of the class. So there's obviously some kind of physical issue there. And I don't love the phrase, Richie, you used in your um, uh, yeah. report there, exploratory knee surgery. You would much prefer we've identified the problem and we're going in to fix it. They so, have it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the, kind Dean of Dean Smith is essentially saying like they've, they've, it's swelling kind of arrived up again over the course of the last week or two and it seems to be a knock-on effect of what has happened before with the knee. Uh, they want to go in, have a look, see what the story with it is and Smith alluded, that was what the clip was going to be, was basically alluding to Ida's size and the different impacts and different levels of impact that are on a young player's body uh, of that size and of that age. So that's worrying stuff because like it, it was a forward line that seemed to be, obviously people wouldn't necessarily, or might necessarily agree, but it was a forward line shaped around Adam Eda because he was the guy who was making those runs in between the channels and able to hold the play and, and bring others into, in, into possession over the course of a game and the course of an attack. And for him not to be there, it did force Stephen Kenny to recalibrate his forward line in June. And he will have yeah. to essentially go back to that well again for those Scotland and Armenia games. Because it's, ju- well, it's just over a year now and obviously there's been a bit of inconsistency in the meantime. He's a young player and he's up front, so that's going to happen. But just over a year ago, he put in a performance away to Portugal where I think a lot of us looked at that and said, wow, this is a coming of age moment for Ida and like there's such potential here. So, you know, if, if we'd said after that night that we'd be here a year on, you would be very disappointed. So look, hopefully, hopefully they find something very simple and they fix it on the spot and he's back fit because uh, he's that type of player as well. He's not someone... I don't think his game is going to function all that well if he's at 80, 90 percent, you, you know, with his physicality and his speed allied to the, the technical abilities he has. He kind of needs to be all out. Turns out uh, Limerick have a lot of good hurlers, Richie. Uh, yeah, maybe not as many as previous years, though, Nathan. Uh, Limerick Geo, Dermot Burns and Barry Nash have been nominated for this year's GEA GPA Hurler of the Year Award and they're joined on that shortlist by the ever-present TJ Reid of Kilkenny. Kilkenny pair Owen Cody and Mikey Butler are in the running for Young Player of the Year along with Corks, Kieran Joyce. Burns and Nash are just two of Limerick's dozen nominees for the Hurling All-Stars. Those 12 nominations, though, the lowest of any Limerick's four recent All-Ireland winning years. All-Ireland finalists Kilkenny have eight players on the shortlist and as do the semi-finalists of Galway and Clare. A uh, couple more stories to run through. So Kira McGeehan, uh, she's just been in action, I think, in the last few minutes. She has, yeah. She, a week after smashing Sonia O'Sullivan's 27-year-old 1,500-metre record, McGeehan back in action at this evening's Diamond League finale in Zurich and another brilliant race by the Porta Ferry runner too. Uh, she finished second behind Faith Kipyagon in a time of 4 minutes, one second, 1.68 seconds. 
uh, Kip, you going just over the four minute mark in that race again it was another fast one uh, but McGeehan really keeping pace with the Kenyans and Ethiopians tonight and it was a 2.50am in New York when Carlos Alcaraz seen his place in the US Open semi-finals the men's third seed beat Yannick Sinner in five sets to book a semi-final with Francis TFO it's women's semi-finals night later tonight first up at midnight Caroline Garcia plays the fifth seed Ange Jabeur and that will be followed by the meeting of top seed Iga Świątek and the sixth seed Arena Sabalenka yeah, uh, outstanding from Karen McGee and considering this time last week it didn't even look as though she was going to be in uh, the Diamond League in Brussels runs the an Irish record and then follows it up a slower time but uh, considering again the quality of the opposition to come second we are talking about someone who over the next 12 months we'll be expecting a lot from when it comes to world championships Yeah, running on clouds that's the phrase she used uh, about her current form so she's in the zone, everything's good uh, that strange thing as an athlete, isn't it? How do you uh, how do you maintain that for an mm. Olympic Games? Or you just look and do you taper down and taper back up and all the science that goes into it and the psychology? So she is in the form of her life at a moment. How long can you keep that going? Is the really interesting question. Let's uh, wrap up Richie with the golf then. So as I said, the BMW PGA Championship uh, is on this week at Wentworth. It's the flagship event of the European Tour. There's obviously a whole lot going on behind the scenes. I saw an interesting video uh, of Billy Horschel and Ian Poulter on the practice green where they're what having. Did you, what did you make of that? I, I thought like Ian Poulter was doing this real like uh, like a, a kind of passive aggressive flight attendant of mm. like and you know the, you listen programs. to me. Yeah, where you, where you get, get you, people getting irate and the flight attendant gets more and more uh, calm in front of the television screen and, and it almost, it's like, calm down, Billy. It's like this mm. real, with a slight smirk and patronizing. Put his hands on Billy, like kind of patronizing. Yeah, it, I, I didn't think it reflected well on Poulter at all. Poulter turned up then today uh, wearing his live golf gear. So Keith Pelley had oh. asked that the live players don't wear anything that says Live Golf because part of their contract with Live Golf is that they should wear something that says Live Golf on it and whatever his team is is it the Majestics that uh, Poulter is part of I just know that because Lee West would never stop but he wore a Majestics top and uh, when asked afterwards like why are you doing this you're clearly just trying to rile people so well this is my business I'm an investor in this business so why wouldn't I go and try and advertise it so uh, I'm sure you spoke about it a lot in Golf Weekly yeah we did a bit I didn't um, Golf Weekly is out yet Peter Laurie Fjord Davenport myself I didn't uh, see it so you need to kind of hear it to know if it's one boo or several boos but Poulter apparently was the target of uh, boos and cheers on the first tee now he was very angry when it was mentioned at the British Open that he was booed because it was one person booing and he said it was uh, false reports reporting so I don't want to do that but uh, certainly that was I saw a tactic a used by Boris Johnson to be fair as well yeah <laughs> potentially but uh, uh, he got apparently a very mixed reception so maybe that Majestic's gear on his uh, on his uh, shirt part of that uh, the European Tour have just released a statement so um, Shane Lowry played really well today this is, of course he absolutely loves should have won this tournament um, on a couple of occasions now he's six under par after the first round a couple of shots behind Tommy Fleetwood and Andy Sullivan uh, Rory McIlroy on four under so as I said they took the players off the course straight away uh, once the announcement was made about Queen Elizabeth's passing and the European Tour have just issued a statement uh, saying that there'll be no play tomorrow either and that they will uh, issue a further update on the resumption of play in due course. So uh, it's hard to know whether that tournament uh, will actually get an opportunity to finish now. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And, and it's, it, it's interesting in the, in the aspect of how does the UK react to all of this? And especially 
in a sporting sense because it, like you mentioned that article about the London Bridge uh, is down uh, stuff that was printed in the Guardian and the protocols that have been put in place for ages like they would have been in place for for years and I think people's relationship with news and how it passes no matter how seismic is different now I was listening to a podcast that was reflecting on the the Jubilee back in 77 and now he couldn't escape that at the time and whereas this year's one for for British people there was certainly a sense that if they went, didn't want to partake in it they didn't really have to it wasn't wasn't there for them and similarly I don't know if, if, if there's a necessary need for everybody to partake in the period of mourning there there will need to be a, a respectful nature to everything over there of course and how uh, everything pans out but everything shutting down for a week or, or 10 days or however much time it is i'm not sure if we see it happening mm. uh, especially in this day and age it's like it's very different and it's a very different world and there's a much more diverse range of opinions that are out there as regards all of this and it's not as uniform uh, and monotone as it was back in the, the 70s or, or even back in the 50s when when king george died so i don't know it'll be interesting to see how it does play out and if it is just this weekend or, and they do get back playing by the weekend after yeah, d- um, they're, they're, they're tricky calls because i'm I, again I'm, I'm not too sure when the funeral is but say 10 days weekend, afterwards 10 days okay well like obviously if it had fallen next weekend then you couldn't have fixtures i would think on the day of the funeral very clearly so if it's if it's 10 days time oh that that'll fall weekend will it yeah quite possibly yeah. next so sunday or monday yeah yeah so is that is that two rounds of fixtures and again like these are not the most pressing concerns but we're a sports show so uh yeah that's a fair like richie makes a totally fair point i agree with it totally uh so that's is that two weekends i don't know joe malloy Should talking like weekend? a man who presents a six-hour sports show every <laughs> single sunday and Nathan, like a head of like a head of content, trying to fill them. Fine, it'll be fine. <laughs> Kenny, we're bringing, Kenny Cunningham and Brian Kerr are going to be on on Sunday, regardless. Oh, if there's if there's well, commentary, they'll be doing commentary. If not, we might just have to bring the two of them together for a well, magical hour of radio. I've, I've spoken to the two uh, gents, and and you've both done commentary with them. Uh, they are of the opinion that the commentaries would be better if you two weren't there generally so this is uh, actually them just getting their wish it's well they're just, definitely of the opinion uh, like if Richie wasn't men. there because I, uh, yeah. when I was off for my few weeks uh, I was tuning in the Sunday and I was surprised to hear my name mentioned at least 20 times during the commentary He's by 20. Kenny Cunningham uh, who seemed to really struggle with the fact that it was Richie on commentary yeah oh. even, even last night he, he was upset that there was other features in the 8 o'clock hour. We were speaking to David Gillick and we were speaking to Aideen Walsh. And he was upset that he just couldn't stay on air for the full three hours. Because no doubt he could have done. And I would have barely gotten a word in. And to be honest yeah. with you, the next two weekends, that's probably going to be okay. But I, have you ever... we got to go, I know. Have you ever met anyone who's more energy than Kenny Cunningham? Like oh, off-air, on-air, just... Non-stop. He's at 100 the whole time. Yeah. Imagine if you brought that to Bowles, Richie. He still hasn't ruled himself out, Nathan. If you were listening carefully last night, he still hasn't ruled himself out. Everybody everybody would like that job. Uh, again, Vinny Perth is coming up next. So we'll be talking to him uh, in a moment about Shamrock Rovers and Jura Gardens, which gets underway at 8 o'clock. Uh, Joe, thank you very much. Pleasure, lads. Thanks. Uh, Richie, keep us up to date with any of the cancellations that are confirmed over the next little while. Thanks as always. Will do. Yeah, nice and nice.